Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Robert, and this is episode 301. Because we're hanging on an edge. Like cliffhanging, you mean? Because we're cliffhanging. Yes. <laughs> did you <laughs> Did you ever see, watch that cartoon, Cliffhanger? Um, part of uh, Between the Lions? No. Okay. No, it's, this character, his name is Cliffhanger. And at the end of every episode, he's always hanging on a cliff. And he never gets off the cliff. It's like, oh my gosh, what happens this episode? He's almost going to get off and something goes on. But at the end of the episode, he's still on the cliff. Will he be safe next time? So he's been on that cliff for like episode after episode after episode after episode. I see. <laughs> it freaks well, me out to watch it. It really stresses me out because that's got to be hard to hold on that long. <laughs> well, we don't want to leave people hanging on the edge or on a cliffhanger about what game we're covering today. So why don't we move on to that, Albert? All right. That, that's easy enough. We're covering a game about climbing mountains and scaling cliffs, a game called K2. Yes, and not mountains, just one mountain, just K2. Just one, yeah, K2. This is actually not the first game on this podcast about climbing K2. <laughs> What's the other game on this podcast about climbing K2? Long, long, long ago, I did a disaster on K2, which was a huh. uh, Victory Point Games title. Okay. Well, yep. I don't remember that one. <laughs> long, long. It was probably like episode like 20 or something, I bet. Oh, such a cool game. But this is a very simple game where you are okay. climbing up K2. Uh, or rather, you and your partner, which I suppose is you you as you and your partner. There's two of you. <laughs> okay. Two of you are trying to climb the mountain up using a deck of cards and having to deal with the weather along the way and hoping you don't die. Mm-hmm. It's always a good thing not to die. And that is the sum total <laughs> of the game. Okay. Well, that sounds fun. I mean, <laughs> sounds perilous and grim, but cool. I would I would venture more towards perilous and grim. <laughs> I have okay. lost. I've lost many upon many a meeple on the mountains of K two. Okay. Now, is this game based on an historical thing at all? Apparently, the other one was. It was based on a, an actual disaster that happened on that mountain. A big storm came in. A bunch of people I mean, died. a lot of people go climbing K two, and the author, the designer of the game, is a climber. He actually says in the end of the rule book that he met his wife climbing K two. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah. Wow. I mean, it's based on real life and that people climb, but <laughs> so it's a it's a romantic game, is what we're saying. Okay, exactly. That's a pretty cool story. I, I like that actually. Okay, yeah, so it's his own personal opinion. Yep. So, so we pretty much uh, described uh, the summary of the game. Uh, what about the components? Let's talk about the components. Let's do the components. Okay, yes, components so the most important component is going to be the board the board is a mountain it's a k2 mountain board it's a flat board with spots that you climb up it's these these circles as you go up it and the circles are connected the circles are going to be a point-to-point type of thing where you are moving from point to point by playing cards from your hand and going up the board each player has two pawns you're going to have a smooth guy and a bumpy guy who are going to be climbing up the mountain there will be a tracker going up the right side of the board that shows the highest each of your two guys your smooth guy and your bumpy guy uh, that shows the highest they've reached so even if you need to reach all the way to the top you can mark with the markers to show that you reach the top and then you climb back down because for points point 
for point purposes, it matters how high you have gotten over the course of the game, not necessarily how high you are at the end of the game. So you are welcome to mm. climb up and then run back down to the safety of your tent at the bottom gotcha. if you so choose. It, I assume if you don't make it back down, then you don't win the game. No, you can end the game all the way at the top. That's perfectly fine. Oh. But you may find issues staying at the top because it's a lot harder to survive at the top than the bottom. So you may decide, I'm perfectly fine. I got here to the top and I'm ready to go back to the bottom now. It's it's dangerous up here. Gotcha. Okay. And then the, the map fixture looks like it's, it almost looks like a photograph, but is that painted art or is that a photograph? I can't really tell. I think it, I, it does. It's not painted um, it's, I think it's just a drawn version of it. It's the oh, same okay. art style theme that they have throughout. Um, it's, I, I can't necessarily pinpoint the style other than say, it's not like a picture. It's not a stylistic sort of drawing. It's just art. It's realistic. Yeah. But it's an illustration. Okay. It's hard to tell from looking at the pictures on BGG. It's the same with all the other stuff. It's I don't think that they're pictures. It's probably just art based on a picture. Gotcha. Okay. I mentioned that you're using cards to get up. Each player has a deck of 18 cards. Those 18 cards consist of movement cards, rope cards, um, blue cards, activization cards. Uh, so those three types of cards are across the 18 in different values. So the movement cards, you'll be able to play to let you move up. The rope cards, you can move up faster or down slower. Um, so they ha are some more versatile cards. And the acclimatization cards, that would give you blue points. Speaking of blue points, each player also has a mat with a with two tracks, one track for your smooth guy, one track for your bumpy guy. And you will have markers that will go up and down that track. At the beginning of the map, of the trek up the mountain, you'll be earning blue points just on the spots that you're at. The blue points is your organization, how well you're handling the environment, uh, aka if you're dying of the cold. And at the bottom, you'll continue to up your acclimatization, your blue points. All the way at the top, it turns red. It's really cold up there. And way up the top, it's really, really cold. It's like way up at the top, you might be losing three points just for sitting up there. And it's hard to earn that back fast, which again is a reason why you may want to touch it and then run back down. So when you are at a red spot, that track is going to go back down. You can make it go up again, either by having spots on the map to be able to do that or by having, by using blue cards from your deck. Uh, the last component each player has are tents. Uh, each of your guys has a tent corresponding to them. So there's a smooth tent and a bumpy tent. Uh, along the trek, you can deploy those tents to be able to have a temporary place to stay. Uh, and if you're there, they essentially count as a blue point each round that you're sitting there. There is also some risk tokens. When you're playing multiplayer, uh, or actually, I guess, solo too, uh, when, whenever you play or count, you're going to have three risk tokens. The risk tokens are zero, ones, and twos. Whatever, whoever is going the fastest, which is obviously you in a solo game, you have to pick one of those <laughs> risk tokens and it detracts from one of your cards or from the blue points of a guy who is moving. So if you played a three, you can, you'd have to use the two to bring it down to a one and it is what it is. You must deal with that fact. 
Or if you are happy with it, you can use a zero for a good term. I'll come back to more about the risk tokens later. The last twist that is applied for the game is the weather tiles. There is a deck of six tiles or a stack of six tiles that over the course of the game, they're going to show where storms are coming and excuse me, they're going to show where storms are. So like they'll say from 6,000 to 7,000, there's going to be a storm and it's going to be eating away at one health or from 7,000 to 8,000, there's a storm that's going to be eating away at two health. And by health, I mean blue points. It's going to be eating away at two blue points or there may just be no storm or there may be a storm only at the bottom of the mountain or whatever it is. Or it may be a storm all the way across the mountain or whatever it is. So you'll be, there's a token that marks where on those tiles you're going and you'll proceed on along. When you finish going through all the weather tiles, that's going to note the end of the game. So that's going to be three times through your deck. Uh, and if you survive that long, you'll be able to lock in however many points you get for finishing the game, for surviving, and hopefully you've managed to do that. That, with a little bit of gameplay thrown in there, as I explained what the components for, are the components. I mean, you, you kind of described the game already. It doesn't sound so bad. It sounds uh, simple enough to play, actually. I've left out some key gameplay mechanics, so when ah, I focus okay. on gameplay mechanics, it'll come back and it, there'll be a little bit more to it, but yeah, basically I've described most of the gameplay. Well, okay. um. But before I do that, let me talk about some things about these components. Um, one, I mentioned that there's two sets of pawns. So there's the smooth guy and the bumpy guy. They are never identified with name nor told what that is supposed to represent, other than two, two different guys with some very different fashion sense. I shrug. I'm not quite sure what it's supposed to represent. It's... <sighs> I assume one is a climber and the other one's a Sherpa or something like that. I have no idea why you assume that. Because in, in the other game, which is all I have to base it on, you always <laughs> climb with Sherpas. I don't know. I don't know what it's supposed to represent. I don't know why one guy is smooth and one guy is bumpy. I don't know anything about that particular mechanic. I just know that it's a clear enough way to denote the two of them. I wish I could have come up with something that's even more clear because even with it being smooth and bumpy, the amount of times that I've erroneously adjusted the wrong ones slider on my mat um, <laughs> is an issue. I don't know what a solution for that would have been. And they both function exactly the same. Yes. There's no difference for them at all. Other than the shape, but you need to Other keep than the them shape. tell them apart. Correct, because one guy may be dying and one by one guy may be perfectly healthy. <laughs> okay, that's that's interesting. Yeah, sometimes it helps if there's a little more thematic explanation just to help you cement what's what, and that that just helps the flow of game, right? Yeah, yeah. Even if it is just simple as saying this guy's the Sherpa, and now you have it in your mind that 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 particular shape is a Sherpa and the other one isn't. At least in your mind, you're working. Whether that's what it's supposed to be or not, maybe. But it'd be nice if whatever it is, they did explain it somehow yeah i mean that's one of my only issues with it is just because that the amount of times where i've moved the wrong one so much so that when i'm playing solo i'll just use two different colors like there's nobody else who's going to get confused by the fact that i'm using two colors i'll just use two colors mm -hmm. right it don't matter yep. i don't think i've ever taken it to the extreme of using two different color pawns and then a third color deck but I could, and there's no one that will tell me not to. <laughs> yeah, the game police are going to be 
hunting yeah. <laughs> but it's so much easier when they're different colors. I mean, yeah. I'll grant you, there's already five colors. So like it would have had to be, I don't know, 10 colors where you have two of them and you slot the two mats together and then you have to remember who's who. And I don't know. I mean, your two guys can also, they can share a tent theoretically, but each one can only deploy his own, but they block each other when you're going up the mountains. Like if there's a space, like up towards the top, only one can go at a time. So if one of you guys wants to go to the top and touch it for the maximum points, then the other guy has to go all the way down and get off the mount, get like a thousand feet down, like 800, because they don't climb together all the way at the top. They block each other off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't know what these things are, but I messed that, up. That was actually an issue with climbing K2, right? That, that, that there's some areas that are just hard to traverse and, and you had to go in single file and stuff like that. And that was a big part of the issue where people would die on the mountain when big storms come. You can't get down fast enough. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, that's the that's the only component that really frustrates me. The cover has a picture of, of a man and a woman. I wonder if that's the designer and his wife or something. <laughs> could be. Mm-hmm. No way to know, but could be. Yep. I guess we'd have to ask. Um, okay, so that was... We talked about a fair bit of components. The theme... I mean, you described the theme. Does it feel themey? Yeah, it does feel themey. Okay. It seems like it would actually. Yeah, I mean, dying on the mountain—that's that feels just like <laughs> trying to climb K two. I hear it's really dangerous. I have experienced that danger for myself. Death all the time. <laughs> all the yeah. Apparently, it's worse than uh, Everest. Can't really forget the name of that mountain. It is more I, dangerous. I mean, yeah, they they say K two has never been conquered in winter. Uh, there's a specific side where you can put it fully on winter. And no, you ain't doing it. In my opinion, it just imagine. ain't happening. That just sounds so miserable. I don't mind the code. I enjoy the code, but that extreme code where your fingers hurt and you can't grab. Oh, that's just too much. I mean, I can't imagine climbing like the hard. There's two sides of the board. There's the easier side or a harder side. There's two sets of tiles. There's summer weather and winter weather. So the harder side of the board looks just forbidding. There's clouds, it's dark, it's stormy. It looks like it's about to come down. And with the winter weather, it's cold. Like it's really cold. There's always you're having pressure on the on those blue numbers. I cannot imagine like sitting at the base of the mountain, looking up at the mountain with winter weather coming and this storm looming overhead. Every time I've sat down to try it on the harder side, I'm like, I'm an idiot. I'm an absolute <laughs> idiot. I'm going to die again. Yeah, who looks at me and says, hey, let's climb that. Yeah, I don't know why people try this in real life. That's that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, interesting. Okay. I love the idea of it, but the, the actual doing, I don't know. I don't think I, could, I would get too far. Maybe but they the feel they have to review it. Maybe. There you go. Yeah. Well, you know, they're completionists. A lot of people like climb mountains. They got to climb every peak and, and accomplish all the goals, which I totally get that. I totally get, oh, nobody's ever done this before. Well, let me try it. <laughs> but more of a couch kind of let me try it. <laughs> so anyway, we've gone a little bit far afield. Um, yes, that's all that. Mentioning moving on to the rules, if we can, before we get too much further down this rabbit hole. Um, the rules are perfectly fine. They explain in general what sort of stuff goes on. I think that it's a little bit weird. Some of the order for how some things go, because it describes some things in like weird places. 
there's, for example, pitching a tent. It's not like a separate action. Like if I were doing it, I would have said stuff. And that's how it's explained too, is that when you're describing the action phase, you describe the actions you can do. You primarily have two actions you can do. You can move or you can pitch a tent. And those are like, or you could just use blue cards. Those are like the three, three actions you can do, but it's like divided out weird. <laughs> it's not divided out. Like there's those three actions. It's like, well, here's how this, here's how accusation points work. And here's how the, here's how moving works. Actually, it's not even here. some yeah, it's here's how moving works and here's how victory points work. And here's how the weather works. But like, none of this is right here. There's other places where that sort of stuff comes in. It's like, ah, it's fine. It's just not, it's, it's not how I explain the rules, but it's not, the game is perhaps not overly complex that it makes a difference, but I wouldn't want to hire this person, the writer of this rules for a more complicated game, but maybe if they did a more complicated game, it would be more refined. I don't know, but mm-hmm. it's perfectly fine for the game that it is. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, how big is the rule? It doesn't sound like it's going to be very thick. Nothing uh, it's 11 pages. Okay. Eight pages for the actual rules, one page for the solo, and one page for a picture. Okay, that's not so bad. Okay, I like it. Yeah, as I mentioned, like it. it's not very bad at all. Uh, so anyway, that is that. Uh, and then, by the way, for the solo, you're just playing yourself and consulting a table for how well you did. Mm-hmm. So the solo rules are really simple. When you're playing solo, so you're not controlling two players or anything like that. You're just doing one player then. You're just doing a regular game. Just play the okay. game. Gotcha. Play the game with nobody else around. And so when you're playing with other people, you're getting in each other's way and whatnot. When you're playing solo, that aspect is gone. There is a table that you have to consult for how many people can go in each spot. And the table changes by player count, which is somewhat of annoyance because it's easy to forget about that until someone points it out to you. Um, It's really easy to block somebody off at the top if you remember it. And then you get to remind everyone else and crow your victory until you get stuck. (laughs) <laughs> but there's a table that, that changes by player count under the rules oh, yeah. for two. It's the same for two as for one. So it doesn't matter. Your guys can technically block you. Even if you're playing with more people, they block you about the same amount as you block yourself because there's more people that fit on a spot with higher player counts. So yeah. Okay. So it sounds like that was a little bit of a segue into gameplay. Happy to do it, Albert. So in terms of gameplay, I've described the majority of it. Everyone has a hand. Everyone has a deck of 18 cards. For the most part, you will have six cards in hand. You get to choose three of those to play every round. Of those, the green ones will count towards who has the highest movement in terms of risk. So if you're playing all blues, or if you're taking a bunch of blues this time, that's okay. That's not very risky. You're getting to sit and enjoy your hot cocoa, which there is one of the pictures is a person sitting in a tent and drawing hot cocoa. It's really lovely. <laughs> That'll be, that's the only reason why I want to go on a mountain is to sit there and enjoy my hot cocoa. That's, that's the only mm, thing with climbing mountain. It's nice having hot cocoa when it's so cold. Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> there are the green cards, which lets you move up and the blue cards, which lets you increase your blue amounts on your turn or before each round goes everyone's going to pick three of them lay them face down once everyone's picked them you all reveal face up to figure out who has the most risks your cards will let you do one of three things as mentioned you can use green cards to move up the mountain there are different 
difficulties to move to some of the spaces. In the beginning, all the spaces are just blank, which means that it just costs one movement to do them. You may some of the spaces up higher will have yellow values written on them. Those will take more movement points, more green points to be able to move up them. So if it has a two in yellow, it takes two points of movement to be able to move into that spot. That can really bind you up when you're trying to have both of your guys move together because you may not have enough points to be able to do that. So you may have to go a bit slower or plan your route a little bit better. Um, so that is one action you can take, which is movement. You may move down if you so choose, and rope guards can help you move down faster. On the board, there are these, uh, they're called calibers, calibers? The little metal circly, to circly thingies that can be used to click onto stuff, whatever you call them. Oh, carabiners? Carabiners, yeah. thank you. I was about to have to go look it up. Um, there are <laughs> carabiners that show which direction it is is up and which direction it is is down. Uh, because sometimes it's a little bit like left and right, but there's a carabiner that shows which direction is up and which direction is down so that it's not too hard to be able to tell whether you're going up or down for the purposes of wanting to move faster with some ropes or something. Um, but in general, it doesn't really matter about going up or down. You'll generally you're able to tell, so it doesn't really matter. So you can move up or down with green points. Uh, you may spend your blue points to increase your acclimatization so you can make one of your people chill and increase your blue points. At the end of each round, you can only store up to seven blue points, but you may want to increase your blue points higher than seven for a single round so that some of your weather effects or cold effects will come off of that extra bonus stuff so that you'll stay at seven and stay nice and warm and cozy and able to breathe. Because breathing is good. The last action that you can take is you can take I pitch a tent action by spending movement equal to the movement of that, of the space that you're in, you can pitch a tent. Uh, tents will allow you to get essentially, it's as if you played a one blue with whatever characters in a space with the tent. Each of your two characters can only pit a, pitch a tent once per game. Thus why there are two tents, one for each of them. Those are the three actions that you'll take. Once you've played through the three of them, everyone gets an opportunity to go around it and, and turn order. Everyone uses their cards to be able to do one of those three things or any mix of those three things. Continue moving up the mountain, then discard those cards. When your deck is almost empty, you'll be stuck with just three cards in your hand uh, because you keep cycling through those. So when your deck's empty, you're stuck with only three cards in hand. That means you're stuck with those three cards. So three times in the course of the game, your choices are very limited on what it is that you can do. Once you play those three cards, everyone will shuffle up their decks, do it again. So you'll be shuffling your decks three times over the course of the game, once during setup and twice in the middle of the game. Uh, and that will be the sum total amount of turns that you can get. If your blue values go down to zero, theoretically, your guys, mm. normally you're getting points before going up the mountain. So there is a track up on the right side of the mountain that denotes how many points you get for going up that high. So even if you go up and then go back down, your point tracker stays to show that you've got it. If, though, you die, you lose those points. Technically, you go all the way down to one, but you lose those points. There is an easier method of playing the game. If you want even easier than the easier side with Summer Weather, there are these rescue cards that you can have in the game. Um, we consider them Mario Mushrooms. Because they're one-up mushrooms. You can <laughs> you can use them for a quick rescue. And under the rules, 
when you're using them for a quick rescue, you jump back down to a cave and you can continue fighting. For all intents and purposes, you're out of the game anyway because you're like, it's the end of the game and I'm all the way back down to 6,000 meters. I'm like halfway down the mountain. I don't have very much points and I've wasted a whole bunch. So if you're the only one that dies, you're probably going to lose. So it doesn't really matter this. My opinion is with this family variant is the whole purpose of it so that someone who feels disenfranchised because they're losing and they've lost and they just want to play the game anyway because they can't really deal with the fact that they've lost before and everyone else is still playing. You can use the family variant card to be like, hey, bud, it's okay. You didn't really lose yet. You're still in the game. What card would you like to do for your next turn? You can you can still pick lots. Of, you could still keep marching up the mountain. You've been rescued. And they're not bright enough to realize that it, it, the game doesn't really matter and they've lost. But they've lost. <laughs> we'll still count points at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're dumb. <laughs> I have littler children. Yeah. Sometimes they're less than intelligent about these kind of logics. Little by little, that'll stop working as much. But then they'll stop yeah. carrying as but then they'll stop. Right. As long as, as long as they care, this sort of stuff works. When they get yep. mature enough that it doesn't work anymore, they don't care. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Nonetheless, I didn't Nonetheless. need the family variant card to be able to give this power to let my kid get a one up because I do it in many different games. There are many <laughs> games where if my kid is losing and completely disenfranchised, I'll give him a boost anyway. And that's what this is. It's mm. a boost to prevent negative feelings about the game. If it'll work to prevent a negative feeling about the game, it humors me that it's built into <laughs> the game, but it's there. That's cool. Okay. I like, I do like that. It has in it. Like there's a card and everything. Yes. It's, it's, it's full up a card. It's official. There's one for every player in each of the different colors. We store it with the decks. Okay. Deli, go ahead and, so one time we were playing and um I, so I I was at the top and then he died and then um um so I didn't use my uh card that saves the card? yeah the rescue card and he needed it so I said would you like my rescue card I'll happily give it to you and you seem to need it <laughs> and then I got both to top, and he died, and his died, and I won. But he was still in the game, though. <laughs> so sometimes kids don't need that rescue card. That's right. Everybody needs a helping hand once in a while. And that was an example of why it still works, because his understanding of that whole conversation was that I was saying that kids need the rescue card because they need the handicap because they're doing poorly. And that wasn't quite what we were saying, but we adults will be able to we'll understand and yeah, move yeah. on. Okay. So, rescue card fun. <laughs> Thumbs up for it. Uh, and uh, it's definitely a thing we do in a lot of games. And I highly recommend it if you play with your own younger ones. In some total, that is, the I think, tied in together with some of the stuff I threw in while we were talking about components. That is how you play the game. Play the cards, keep moving, keep playing the cards, keep moving. Not a particularly complex game but a very good puzzle 
um, to be able to play through there. There's a lot of puzzle elements about trying to figure out which way you want to go. Like there's different routes up the mountain. Uh, there's, you can take the long route, which is slightly easier, but it takes more more steps. There's a faster route, but it's harder. Where do you want to be stuck? Do you want to divide up? Do you not want to divide up? I I think that, especially playing solo, there's a certain amount of variety to the cards you have, but the cards are all the, the same. They're just numerically different. But it's either green or blue. It's it doesn't it doesn't give me a strong feel like man that game played totally differently than the other one. To the extent that maybe this is another one where I would you know it would help to think about the strategy or determine it. But I don't know. I enjoy playing the game. I enjoy the puzzle of figuring out how to get up there and how to continue up. I don't necessarily see a huge strategy for like, Hey, I lost and I keep losing. How can I do better? I'm not sure, but unlike some other games where it, that fact would frustrate me. I'm actually, I'm having a lot of fun with this puzzle. Even if I'm playing on hard and just getting beat to death by the storm, I can play on easily just fine, not get beat, get up there and survive. And that's okay with me. And it's an enjoyable puzzle. I like, trying to figure out how best to use my cards. There's a lot of tactical thinking that goes into the game, thinking about how you're going to use your hand. So I, I enjoy that puzzle. I enjoy how that works out for me. Mm, I could relate to that. That reminds me of Legacy of You that I, we talked about a, a few weeks ago, where even if I, I win pretty much every game, I still have that fun time playing and just going through that process and thinking it out. I totally get what you're saying. Exactly. That's the, I like the, I and I and the theme is in there. So I imagine it feels a little bit angsty when you're playing and you're about to die. Oh, all the time. Yeah, I'm constantly okay. down on the reds, uh, just always trying to figure out. Well, how do I survive? It's usually the the biggest puzzle is in the last third of the game when I'm up towards the top and I have limited resources. I know which ones I've already played. I know theoretically which more blue ones are coming. I'm trying to think. Well, how how do I use my resources this time to be able to give myself a method where I don't die <laughs> to the storm because the storm's going to hit. I need to be lower down in the mountain. There has to be a solution. Often there hasn't been, <laughs> but when I see it, when I realize there's a solution to get out of the way of the storm and survive and keep my points, it feels mm-hmm. good. I, en- I enjoy finding those solutions. That also reminds me of Space Hulk Death Angel. <laughs> Those moments where, oh, my team's going to die. What am I going to do? And then suddenly I, I I find a possible solution and I get lucky in a row. And it's like such a relief to, to, to succeed and to get out and get off that mountain. Yeah, but the difference in Space Hulk Death Angel is <laughs> there's a skull die which just kills you. And yeah. even when it doesn't kill you, it's just going to kill you in a second. Whereas this one, I actually survive. <laughs> to my own brains and not because of the skilled eye deciding that, hey, I'll spare you for a turn. <laughs> and th- I mean, there is still some randomness in this game, but it's not as extreme either, right? It's 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 very predictable randomness. The cards, the, the deck, it's only 18 big. You can keep track that easily. For the weather, you always see at least three ahead, usually four or five ahead. So mm-hmm. you get a lot of information. There's really not very much randomness. Yep, and you'll see every card. So, so if you've gone through fifteen of the cards, you you could pretty much figure out what's left. Well, I mean, you have the three right. left in your hand if you've gone through. Well, 15. okay. If there's if you've gone through twelve, there's three in your hand, and you know what three are in the deck. There's six okay. in your hand, so there's nothing left in your deck. Oh, okay. Well, whatever. The I'm sorry, you get what I'm saying. I don't have the exact <laughs> do. numbers down. I'm, 
Now look at the rule. <laughs> yeah. You're able to figure it out when there's only three cards left in the deck, whatever you have in your hands or don't have on the table, whatever, you can pretty much figure out what those three cards are. Yes. Okay. <laughs> exactly. You made it more difficult than it needed to be. Yeah, but I did it on purpose because it was fun. Like climbing a mountain or something. Yeah. Well, I literally made a mountain out of a molehill. <laughs> oh, Julius, you did. All right. So, so it sounds like it's a good game. It works great solo. Is it? Is it? Worth it for just solo? I think so. I okay. I enjoy just solo. It's a fun, relaxing puzzle. I've enjoyed it. Um, it's very good family weight. So I, I've enjoyed it more with family. I think with solo, I've wanted something with more variability to it. Um, but it's it's good at relaxing. So I have enjoyed it. Yeah. There we go. And I see there's a couple of expansions for them. Have you tried any of them? We have them. <laughs> okay. We traded for this, and it came with a bunch of expansions. Ah, okay. Oh, we haven't, you haven't tried them. You haven't, even, you haven't even bothered to try it. How long have you had the game? <sighs> I don't want to answer that question, because then I'll feel guilty for not having tried the expansions. Uh, okay, well, no, I mean, that's okay, because that, that says that you've enjoyed the game without even bothering to go to the expansions, which is nice. It's also so. that we're busy. We have a... We have a we have a lot of games, Albert, and we have a very yes. pressing podcasting schedule. I, I, <laughs> I get that. Okay. Well, and so so those that are curious, there are a total of three expansions. I don't know how readily available they all are, but they do exist. The last one came out in 2018, the first one in 2011. So One day I'll try them. Yeah. And when I do, I'll probably talk about it on the podcast. And they, what they add is stuff. Yeah. There we go. I, I couldn't even tell you what's in them. I punched them because I can't <laughs> leave stuff unpunched. So I punched them. I even organized them nicely, but I really can't tell you what's in them. Uh, that's funny. I think I, I think I read that one of them might have had counters or, or, or tokens or whatever, but you know, whatever. Yeah, there's, it doesn't matter. there's tokens for all of them. There's stuff. Okay. We're not really going to get into those too much. Nope. One of them is an avalanche. One is broad peak, whatever that means. And the other one is Lotzi. That is a mountain to climb for another day. There we go. Are we ready to get off this summit then, Julius? I think so. All right. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. We'll, we'll, Julius, we'll see you in a couple weeks. I don't think I will. Or in a week. Well, I know we're having Shavu's holiday coming up and Memorial Day, so there's all sorts of fun. Uh, it'll be we'll, we'll have a, a nice roast on your behalf, Albert. All right. Cool. Bye, everyone. Have a good night, all. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.